Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Swedish Winger. Let's dive straight into the biggest news of the SHL today is that Rögle has been eliminated after six games versus Skellefteå AIK. This means that Marco Kasper is done for the season and so is William Wallinder as well. Their situations are a bit different though because Marco Kasper is signed by Detroit and William Wallinder is not as of yet but I expect him to be quite shortly. So what does this mean for Kasper then? Well technically I think they could bring him over to play for for Grand Rapids but I don't really think they will. But I wouldn't be too surprised if we see Casper and Valinder at the LCA watching some games, meeting people, shaking some hands and signing some contract. But Casper um, will probably play the World Championships for Austria. And if Sam Hallam, the new national team coach, has a sense of adventure, he'll, he'll pick uh, William Valinder for the national team as well but I sincerely doubt that he will because in the tradition of Swedish national team coaches they usually pick the older guys who've been in the system longer and since William Wallinder most likely will be playing in North America this uh, upcoming season he won't be available for Trekroner in the long run anyway so um, we'll see it's going to be interesting Marco Kasper had um, a good season for Rögle. He didn't completely blow me away, but he had he had a good season. I enjoyed watching him. He's a tenacious uh, center, and um, he gets under the skin of his opponent more often than not. He um, scored 8 goals and 15 assists in 52 games for 23 points, and um, he had 3 assists in the playoffs in 9 games. He was the... Um, Second or third line center, uh, it differed from game to game how much time on ice he actually got. But um, all in all, I reckon this season was a success for, for Marco Casper. And if you look at like Swedish uh, journalism and press, um, well, that Marco Casper is coming over, we pretty much knew that. I think Sean Horkoff said that as well at some some meeting that, um, I was reported, but then again, William Wallinder, eller William Wallinder in Swedish, um, he's not signed yet. But like I said, I expect him to be signed, and reports in Sweden are that he's not coming back to Rögle, which means he's, he's North America bound for sure. Well, those reporting it are quite credible, so I would definitely expect him to be North America bound. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I I would guess that he replaces Edvinsson in the Grand Rapids system. But I also think that we'll see Albert Johansson in the Red Wings uniform next season. Maybe not to start, but uh, definitely after a couple of games. I guess they have to make room for him in another way. All in all, I reckon that's the way they were handled that. But... um, if you compare like Marco Casper's season to Lucas Raymond, Casper had he was more trusted by his coach Cam uh, Abbott than um, Lucas Raymond was by Roger Rönnberg in Frölunda. So what Casper has done is more impressive than than Raymond did his last season in the SHL, and I think that ended up fairly well. 
not saying that that Casper will make the Red Wings straight out of camp or that he'll never play in the Grand Rapid Griffins, but um, I'm quite sure he'll play in the NHL sooner rather than later. William Valinder, on the other hand, had a really impressive season. I reckon he's pretty much half a point per game with um, seven goals and 19 assists in 50 games for 26 points. And in the playoffs, he played nine games, had one goal and two assists for three points. When we drafted him, he was quite raw. I saw him play in Mudo and I was very unimpressed because he kept doing um, very high-risk plays that had slim to no possibility to to succeed. They felt like over a bit overzealous with the trying to create with the the long stretch passes or sometimes he skated up the ice and as the last man he got stripped of the puck everything absolutely everything of that is gone he's a super solid well i wouldn't call him a defensive defenseman because he's not he's an all-round defenseman with amazing skating but the warts that were in his game when he was drafted i would say all of those have been eliminated he's not as flamboyant as um, simon edvinson uh, he might be well he, you could call him a, li- a little bit more boring but he's an absolute monster physically he uh, he's absolutely great in his own zone and he creates he runs the power play he has great vision because um, i reckon we have a really good defenseman here and um, Max Boltman of The Athletic had these, this article about the, the left side of um, Detroit Red Wings being like, um, we have too many lefties and too few righties. And um, as much as Valinder and Albert Johansson have has played their, their wrong sides, Steve Eisman explicitly said that he does not like that. So we'll see. But... Um, I reckon it would be a huge mistake to trade either one of those three. So um, if they are going to be the the left side, so we're going to run a whole Swedish left side of the D, we have an issue with having a bit too many left-handed defensemen on the team right now. But I reckon that if, if Albert Johansson and Valinder end up in Grand Rapids to start and they're promoted if there's injuries... Some of the left defensemen we have, their contracts might be close to the end once Valinder is absolutely ready to have um, a full season in the NHL. So, so I don't think I think that'll solve itself eventually. Whatever happens to Ben Sherrod, I'm I'm uncertain. I was negative when they signed him. Then he played with a lot of heart, and I figured, yeah, as a third D pairing defenseman yeah i think that could work but the more i view him he's just like he's just chaos in his own zone it's like his d partner can never read off what he's doing or where he's going so he has this one-man show on the defense which um, i don't think it works that well in a in um in a team game but maybe he settles down eventually but um i'm not that optimistic about ben Schrott, sadly since um Detroit has very little left to play for. I mean, when I watch the games, I watch for Jonathan Berggren, Moritz Seider, if Edmondson is playing, 
and how younger players are doing. But sure, I could get mad because the results are not there or we're playing poorly. But whatever we're fielding now as a team, it's more of a transportation towards the end of the season so we can see what happens next. I'm not that angry over time, but I just... It's a bit of a shrug of the shoulders when you watch the team right now because they are struggling and they will be struggling all the way for the next 10 games or so, whatever is left. So I reckon I would start doing some prospect profiles. Uh, I'll focus mostly on the um, the Swedish players that are, whether or not they will be in the uh, Red Wings range, we'll see. I've said that they're winning the lottery this year and picking first so if they do i don't think they'll pick a swede so the guy i'm gonna talk about uh, this episode is axel sandin pelika who plays for Skellefteå oik the team that eliminated rugle but lately has he has been playing for the j20 team and not for the um the men's team he did play for the men's team at the um well, first part of the season, and I reckon he did well. But considering that Skellefteå IK is the uh, the best team in the league, and um, he's a young offensive defenseman, uh, I think they did the right thing by putting him, putting him in the J20s to um, to play first pair and power play. And looking at his results in the uh, in the J20s, who's also playing playoff games right now, um, he's played 31 games. He has 16 goals and 20 assists. And we're talking about a right-shooting defenseman here. Um, 16 goals, 20 assists for 36 points in 31 games. Uh, he has 64 penalty minutes. That was a bit, a bit surprising. I would guess there's a match penalty somewhere in there. And in the playoffs now, he has one point, one assist in two games. And this is a guy that it's kind of funny when you hear people talk about him, especially North American prospect, um, well, prospects, journalists, sports reporters, I don't know. But they kind of talk about him like he's some kind of, um, I don't know. Paul Coffey light that he cannot defend for the life of him, but I disagree. There are more than one similarity with Eric Carlson, and yes, Eric Carlson's defensive play has been called into question more than once, but I I don't reckon he's as bad defensively as some of the models say he is, or some of the hockey writers say he is. I mean, if you look at Eric Carlson, he's an amazing uh, D-man. And uh, if you look at Axel Sandin Pelika, you'll see more than one similarity. They're similar sized. They have similar style. They are very, very good at skating. And they have that that vision to see the uh, play unfold before before their eyes before they actually are in that situation so um, you see these amazing passes that that is hard to read as a viewer when you watch them play and you just go oh oh that's a hell of a pass when it happens but you don't really see what they see when they do it so they have that in common and also if i'm not misremembering eric Carlson was also picked 
in the middle of the first round. He's a right shooting defenseman, same size as Axel Sandin Pelikka. There are so many similarities here that saying that Axel Sandin Pelikka is the com- second coming of Erik Karlsson is putting a hell of a lot of pressure on a young guy, but the similarities similarities are most definitely there. And at the same age, I would say they have the same issues that they are sometimes seeing a play that's disappearing, but they force it, and sometimes they get turnovers and sometimes they get got pushed off the puck same with Eric Carlson same with Axel Sandin Pelikka but I think Sandin Pelikka will go higher than Eric Carlson did because Eric Carlson did go at the 15th spot and I'm I'm inclined to bet that if Detroit pick in the 10 to 15 range and Sandin Pelika is there they will pick him because I'm pretty sure that Håkan Andersson will definitely go to bat for Axel Sandin Pelika and many of you might be saying that Irishmen like big defenders and that they are the defenders uh, he go for and Sandin Pelika is too small but He's not tiny. He's not like a smurf going out there playing hockey. And if you put him next to a guy like Simon Edvinson, I don't think it matters much that he's, uh, what, 5'11 or something like that? Let's see. Yeah, 5'11. So am I worried that Sandin Pelika would be a bad pick? No. I'm actually quite sure that I would rate him highest among defenders in this draft, I would put him before Reinbacher. Not much, but some. I think he is that good. Axel Sandin Pelika will be a first half of the first round pick. And those who pick him will make a hell of a pick. He is a guy who will be a difference maker. He's a first pairing D-man. And it won't be... A lot of time before he's over in the NHL. I think if you give him like one more season with Kolefteo. To establish himself as an SHL D-man. And he gets to play the whole season and playoffs with Kolefteo. You could bring him over and he could play. I'm not sure I would say he's he's a lock for the NHL from the get-go. He might need some tempering time in, in the Grand Rapids. But um, he solves that right D-spot very well and imagine like having jake wallman and Moritz Sider as the first pairing and then you have simon edvinson and axel sandin Polika as your second pairing and then you run william valind and albert johansson who can both alternate on the right side if you wish uh, as, as the third pairing and possibly let uh, valinder have some power play time on a second power play or something like that I mean, that's that's enough to make yeah, every Red Wings fan salivate, I, I wouldn't think. I'm not talking about this happening like next season or not even the season after that, but possibly in three seasons. And by then, I don't know if Ben Charot, Oli Matt uh, and the other guys are still there. I doubt we'll see Robert Hag beyond this season. And uh, yeah... I reckon we have something here that's very, very interesting. So, I mean, if we, the Detroit Red Wings, pick... If we come away from this draft with, like... Well, I don't know. Will Smith 
and Axel Sandin Pelika or if we pick Axel Sandin Pelika first and then we pick like Dalibor Dvorsky as the, the second pick with the uh, the Islander first. I mean, this draft is absolutely crazy. There's so many good forwards in this draft and that are expected to go in the first draft. I think there's like five or six defenders in the whole uh, were rated in the first round by like elite prospects. So we'll, there will probably be more. There will probably be more than than six four uh, defenders going in the first round. But uh, if we can come away with Axel Sadim Pelika and let's say Will Smith or Dalibor Dvorsky, we should be cartwheeling this whole summer just waiting for Traverse City. And then there's other players like, I know he's a left-shooting defender, but Theo Lindstein from Brinas, who pretty much was the first-pairing defender for Brinas this whole season, well, at least the second half of the season, Brinas eventually got relegated uh, to my dismay, in a way. Uh, I'm not a Brinas fan, per se, because I'm a OIK, AIK from Stockholm supporter uh, by birth basically but um, I've lived in Javle since I was 10 so Brynäs has been my like secondary team I want them to do well because it's good for the town and so on but they are relegated now for the first time ever um, they've never been in the uh, the lower division 63 straight years in the top division so from the time they made it up to the top division they have never been relegated until this year but on that team you have Theo Lindstein a draft eligible left shooting defender who kind of reminds me of Victor Söderström but better so um, he's an interesting guy you should uh, keep an eye out for him uh, once the draft starts and then you have Tom Villander who is a rugby player right now a guy i would love for detroit to draft because um well he's playing for rugby but he's going to play for boston university in the ncaa next season and he is a six foot one uh 179 pound right shooting defenseman that's 186 centimeters and 81 kilos and he is uh, reminiscent of a young William Valinder. And I wouldn't mind having Ken and Mick calling a de-pairing of William Valinder and Tom Villander playing the puck to each other on the Red Wings eventually. Because that would be absolutely amazing seeing how they, how they solve that. Tom Villander will probably go in the uh, the late first early second maybe down to the mid second depending on uh, how the teams pick naturally but he is a right shooting defender so he should be attractive to a, a fair few teams and i almost well i basically slid into making a tom villander profile didn't i so he played 39 games for the rugby j20 team he got two games in with the shl team so that's good but he had 4 goals and 21 assists for 25 points in those 39 games. And he had uh, 2 assists in 2 games in the in the J20 playoffs. So I'm not going to do an in-depth uh, analysis of his game. 
but it is reminiscent of his almost namesake Valinder. But this guy is named the same as Swedish legendary tennis player Vilander. And as an end note, before I end this episode, I wanted to bring up the um, the Pride Night shenanigans that's been going on over in the NHL. I know this is a sensitive issue, so I don't really understand why. Because it's like some people see that the rainbow flag, uh, wearing a rainbow jersey, is some kind of political statement, which is it really, really isn't. Um... I find it hard, in a way, to talk about it as I have any idea what it is like to belong to that community, because I don't. I'm a white, straight, married man with two children, living the quintessential Swedish life in the ass end of nowhere out in the forest with very little to complain about. So... I I talk from that perspective, but as a fellow human being, it makes me sad to see people citing their personal religious beliefs not to wear a jersey with a rainbow on it because they think or have decided that their religion is fundamentally opposed to that sexuality, basically. And... Um, I just wish that that type, that group of religious people were more Christ-like than that version of Christian. And maybe that offends someone, but in honesty, I I really don't care. I mean, it's it's dangerous to belong to that community. You face harassment and violence that the majority of the community who are straight white people <laughs> don't especially here in Sweden it's not the same but it just it just pisses me off it really grinds my gear that as a white privileged hockey player you can do a simple thing as to wear a goddamn rainbow jersey because you think it's a statement against your religion how fucking fragile are you for real yeah no man your ethics and your morals suck be more like christ then and accept everybody no matter how sinful they are and that's coming from an atheist so jesus christ get your shit together and that's it for me from for this episode i'll see you around until next time bye oh addendum if you fucking stay in the lane me like oh this is you should just talk hockey stay in your lane Please stop subscribing. Please stop listening. Please stop following me on Twitter. Because you and me have nothing in common. And now, bye for now.